0: This episode will cover the infamous cult of Children of God, which is classified as a religious cult that deals heavily in pedophilia and abuse towards children. We understand if this episode is not for you. And we will catch you next time on the next episode. Otherwise, if you ever heard of someone flirty fishing with you, we aren't talking about playing the 1997 Sega Bass fishing game. Also, if you hear a rumor about the Children of God coming to your town, it's best to just hide your kids and hide your wives. Welcome to Cryptic Soup. You can't spell cult without you. So let's start this case together.
1: These Children of God members practiced Christian beliefs and communal living. Daily life was um, very strict, very structured. So you woke up, you prayed, you did indoctrination, and then you went out on the street and begged for money and food. There was not very much time for school. Most of us don't have more than a sixth-grade education. I have less personally.
0: All right, guys, this
1: one's a long one. Strap it in. Come along for the ride. That's what you were supposed to say. I thought you would catch my drift. Come along for the ride. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, buddy. All right. Children of God, Teens for Christ, the family, the Family International.
0: We didn't introduce ourselves. Damn it. We're so bad at it. We just don't want to. <clears throat> well, I guess before we get into it, though, even
1: though we started off the vehicle, let's put it in reverse. All right. <laughs> um hey guys i'm athena and i'm kylie and uh now we're gonna put it back in
0: forward <laughs> <laughs> drive i'm just like thinking of like that that horrible sound you get <laughs> when you're like accident yeah okay Corey hated that part oh yeah he did he heard it he felt it in his bones yeah like
1: he's also like grr. you you called it forward and gear guys it's drive you just put your car in <laughs> drive assholes. Okay. Well. Let's uh, pump the gas on this foxy mama. <laughs> That's quoting Ryan Reynolds, but I changed it in Deadpool. He says, let's uh, pump the brakes there, foxy oh, mama. Yeah. <laughs> so children of God, teens for Christ, the family, the family international. Doesn't matter what you call it. They're all different names of the same thing. It's attempts at rebranding a toxic, apparently Christian based cult that deals heavily in sex, pedophilia and abuse. Like most cults, it has a heavy dose of religion, but an even heavier dose of problematic shit going on. Like I said, it includes pedophilia, incest, child abuse, ch- child prostitution, and just all the grossest shit you can imagine. The creator of the cult is also super creepy. He also just looks like a creep. Just wait until you see a picture of him in this beard and stuff. Hey, no. It just helps solidify the ick feelings you get when you hear about what happens in this sex cult. So let's start by talking about the creator. His name is David Brandt Burke, and he has a lot of nicknames. It kind of reminds me of Applewhite from Heaven's Gate. Cult leaders just love to give themselves some damn nicknames. He went by King David, Mo Moses David, Moses, Father David, Dad, and then in the later years, Grandpa. Not to give himself a complex or anything, but he's already calling himself Moses, like from the Bible. yeah. Before David was born, his family had a lot of ties to religious background. So to keep understanding how important religion is, we'll we'll keep up by telling you about that. David's maternal grandfather was Reverend John Lincoln Brandt, and he was a Disciples of Christ minister who had a dramatic conversion in his mid-20s and immediately entered as a full-time Christian service member. That threw David's mother into a life of intense religion also. Virginia Brantberg, his mother, was raised as like a Christian, but then she became an atheist. And supposedly she had a really wild party girl stage during college. And then um, Virginia was engaged to a man named Bruce Bogart, who was related to the actor Humphrey Bogart back in the day. That's a pretty big name. But at their engagement party, she actually met someone else. She met this young, handsome Swedish immigrant named Hilmer Emanuel Berg, who was hired to entertain the crowd. They fell in love. They ran off into the sunset and all's well that ends well. And that's the end of the episode. OK, guys, have a good day.
0: Excuse me, what? <laughs> At the engagement party, she's like, oh, you know, that guy looks pretty, pretty nice. So I'm just going to say no to this and uh, go over there.
1: Yeah. She went for a famous man to a man named Hilmer. <laughs>
0: Hilmer. Hilmer. <laughs> it's like a the German version of Homer. <laughs> it is my favorite name that we've ever covered on this podcast. Hilmer.
1: Hil- <laughs> oh, gosh. All right. So, in either 1911 or 1913, she gave birth to her first child. Again, it's one of those things that's so long ago that people don't really know the date. His name was Hilmer Jr.
0: Super (laughs) creative. (laughs)
1: Love the name, though. Shortly after she gave birth, she got injured and she broke her back in two places. One account is that she got hurt while uh, falling. And then another account is she got thrown off of like a horse and buggy or something. Mm. She ended up spending the next five years disabled and bedridden. And they often said she was closer to death than life. But after five years, one day, Virginia got up from the bed and was able to walk and stand again. This was obviously an act of divine healing. So Virginia and Hilmer needed to share their word with the world.
0: It's the way you say <laughs> Hilmer. Hilmer? It's Swedish. It's like, like Hockmed. <laughs> That's how you pronounce it, Hilmer. I know. Still... Why am I saying what, what way? Where do you get off? I just don't get why you're saying it that way.
1: Why I'm saying what, what way? Corey corrected us in the last episode when we were pronouncing German words. Oh, he yeah. said all the W's are V's. And Corey said all of our W's need to be V's. So we should be like Vlackenstein, Voskus, you know, like things yeah. like that. And I was like, ah, yes, let me just pretend to be a vampire. I will suck your blood. No <laughs> <Vampire>. <laughs> going back to Virginia and Hilmer, they decided after Virginia had this miracle healing that they were going to become traveling
0: evangelist.
1: You got it. <laughs> Who spoke out about their healing and their beliefs. So that was super controversial at the time because it went completely against the church's doctrine. and it resulted in her family being expelled from the disciples of Christ. So what she spoke out about Kylie was the fact that she was divine healed by the God, you know, like whatever it was, like he miraculously made me better. But the church's mm-hmm. doctrine says that that doesn't happen. You don't just miraculously get healed and faith healing's not real because <laughs> faith healing's not real. <laughs> <Because it's laughs> I have not. no other way to <laughs> say it. that. So I forgot to mention this. This might be of importance to you, Kylie, to know during the years she was bedridden. Should I mention that she was actually away at college in Florida, not in bed, totally
0: fine and healthy? That's kind Mm -hmm. of a problem, right? Yeah, that's kind of an issue. And like, it's fact checkable. You know that like God doesn't like liars either,
1: right? (laughs) So that was a kind of an issue when people started figuring that out. And it was just another reason why they were expelled from the church. So after losing their religion, the REM song. (laughs) Okay. Virginia and Hilmer had another child. Then they joined a new denomination called the Christian and Missionary Alliance. And they had a third child. This ended up being David Berg, who we are going to be talking about. David was born February 18th, 1919 in Oakland, California. So excited. Again, I get to do my little thing. <laughs> so David is a Pisces. He shares a birthday with John Travolta. And it's the, ho- the holiday of February 18th is National Drink Wine Day, Kylie. How did I not know that? I don't know how you didn't know that. Because when I found out, I literally thought of you. <sighs> but it also- just
0: passed.
1: <laughs> also, I really thought I should mention this. Normally, I only put like a really famous actor or musician's birthday. But this is just kind of like true crimey. February 18th is also Gary Ridgway's birthday, who's the Green River Killer. Okay, So that's kind of cool. Like, (laughs) well, I mean, it's not cool, but like, you know, it's interesting. It's a small
0: world. Yeah. After all, (laughs) (laughs) we're not going back to the talk about what is the best. It's definitely not that. No, that's a sucky Disney ride. If you say that's your favorite ride, you're a liar. I no. if that's your favorite ride at Disney, you are a psychopath. Well, I cannot even stand it for one time. Hmm. We're different.
1: David ended up writing a lot of books about his life. Well, not necessarily books. He kind of like journaled about him and. I'll get to what he did. He wrote letters, essentially, is the best way to describe it, but no one can verify all the accounts in these letters, books, things like that, because we can't say for sure if they're true or false, but I'll still throw in parts of them. But remember, when I say they're coming from David, they're. Coming from David, like "Mm, take it with a grain of salt. David talks about being physically abused by a German nurse they had when he was younger. He was also said to be sexually abused by a Hispanic babysitter named Maria around the age of three years old. He said Maria would often suck his penis until he would fall asleep for a nap to make him less fussy. I wish I was making that up, but that's exactly how he said it. He later attributes that exact story as an excuse to why he feels that sexually assaulting children will calm them down. Because he was taught that. I
0: mean, that makes sense.
1: It does. It does. Still, it's um, not right.
0: -hmm. Yep.
1: David claimed to have been a chronic masturbator since the age of four. He said his mother would often scold him for it. There's a story that his mother walked in on him touching himself and she berated him and forced the whole family to watch him masturbate. And threatened to cut off his penis if he stopped. I don't, what? And he had like siblings and stuff too. So. Well, and he's the youngest. Yep. And I don't know how old he was past four, but it could have been any point after four. Um, I just don't, is that good parenting?
0: No. No. Like,
1: nothing about this story is going to be a good parenting. Of,
0: yeah. Like, what part of let's have my other children watch my youngest child? Did you ever watch Malcolm in the Middle? This <laughs> This is a different thing.
1: Well, there's an episode where uh, the dad catches. I think it's Dewey, but maybe it's Malcolm. I swore it's Dewey. He catches him smoking a cigarette. So he's like, all right, you're going to smack it smack. You're going to smoke an entire carton of cigarettes until you can't. If you think you're man enough to be smoking cigarettes, you're man enough to smoke a whole carton. The kid gets through like five cigarettes. He's like, I want to die. But he ends up smoking more. I don't remember how much he smokes. And he's like, yeah, I'm never fucking smoking again. And the dad was like, ha, bitch, gotcha. That understandable, kind of not really good, not healthy one bit. No, a little bit better, though, than um, masturbate in front of your entire family <clears throat> as the youngest child. <laughs> yes, <laughs> like um, I would still say that is bad and not uh, it's a little problematic. Yeah, I'm making an X with my hand. <laughs> Bad parenting on Malcolm's parents' behalfs,
0: but uh, this is worse. So, yeah, just slightly.
1: No, no happiness from here on until the end of this episode. So just just be aware, guys, it's going to keep getting worse. The further we trek into the storyline. The next thing we know was when in 1925, when David was six years old, his family moved to Miami, Florida. David's mother was still holding miracle healing and revival events. This time it was at the Miami Gospel Tabernacle. This was before founding the Berg
0: (laughs) Evangelistic. Hmm. Evangelistic. That's better. Evan, Evan, Evan. So I
1: work at a place called Evan. And so I want to say Evan every time I look at it. Does that make sense now? Well, yeah, but. Evangelistic. No. Juh, Je. Juh, Listic. Yeah. Nah, I don't like the word. <laughs> Evangelistic dramatic company.
0: You did it. There you go. The <laughs> <Super> group. Dramatic. <laughs> Got mad. <laughs> the
1: group would perform in a 4,500 seat auditorium and it would often fill up. So they were at least popular, I should say. In his teens and in the late 1930s, David accompanied his mother as she would return to the life of being a tra- traveling evangelist david berg for the next 10 years acted as her assistant chauffeur song leader and manager virginia also had an off and on radio program called meditation moments which technically ran for 15 years it started in the early 1930s and resumed in the 1950s to spread her word two more instances were talked about in david's childhood that left big impacts on him When David was caught masturbating again as a teenager, his mother made him do it again in front of his family and forced his father to watch. And she forced David to finish. Mm. Then there was another story where David and Virginia, which is his mom, were traveling and they were staying in a small rundown hotel room that had no heat and only one bed. So when David spoke on this night, he talked about being very sexually attracted to his mother and how. They both should have had their sexual needs met, but he was just too scared to act on it.
0: Kylie, do you want to read it? All right. Here's his quote. My first reaction was absolutely terrified shock that my mother would get so close to me and wrap her arms and body around me in such an almost sexual embrace. It certainly was a loving embrace and affectionate. And perhaps she meant nothing by it whatsoever. But I think for the first time in my life, I had sexual feelings about my mother, and in those days, I was very young. I was quite virile and potent. I could remember having her snuggle and feeling her warm, soft body against mine. her Her bosoms against my back. She had on a nightgown. A very thin nightgown. She was still a beautiful woman at 55. Charming, and although a little on the plump size, quite pretty and very attractive. And there she was with her bosoms against my back and her arms wrapped around me and her legs wrapped around me. I suddenly got quite an electric sexual jolt that I had never experienced before, and I was almost immediately erect. Perhaps if I had not been so conservative and extremely narrow-minded in my theology and religion at that time, and so absolutely frightened, I might have been a little bit more responsive. Perhaps I could have satisfied both of us and our mutual most tremendous sexual needs. It could have developed into a beautiful sexual relationship. Yikes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wow.
1: So that's how he feels. Yeah. It's not good feels. No. Bad feels. Bad feels. Toxic bad feels. We don't like. No. So this quote, an account of the evening we got because David sent it out in a letter to thousands of his members of Children of God cult. Like he wrote that down and thought, hmm, I should share this with my thousands of followers and they won't think this is weird. And you know what? They didn't. They didn't find it weird. And you'll find out why they didn't find it weird because they were (sighs) all into the same stuff. But they did. mm, mm. (laughs) Moving away from that. David Berg graduated from Monterey High School in 1935, later attended the Elliott School of Business Administration. David realized a good way to avoid being drafted for World War II, because it was going on during this time and you wouldn't get drafted if you were in school, but he was out of it, was to become a minister. So David was ordained in the Christian and Missionary Alliance and was placed at Valley Farms in Arizona. Around the time of moving to Arizona, he met Jane Miller, who became his first wife, and he had two children with her. I say first wife because there will be more. So there was Linda, who goes by the name Deborah in the Children of God cult, because in the cult, you change your name. In 1945, uh, Deborah, I'm going to call her by Deborah, came about. And then there was a boy son named Paul, who was called Aaron within the cult in 1947. And I will refer to him as Aaron. David ended up getting expelled from Valley Farms due to an alleged sexual misconduct that still, as of 2021, has no records released
0: to this day. Shocker.
1: (laughs) (laughs) David wrote about this event and said he was actually fired because of his support for greater racial diversity among the congregation.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: So he was claiming that he was okay with race, like all races. I think there was something because of world war ii like a race issue going on mm-hmm. within the state itself also and supposedly he was okay with it but the church wasn't and that's why he was fired it had nothing to do with sexual misconduct
0: no it couldn't it couldn't have not been. him no
1: in the mid-1960s david returned to being a traveling faith healer just like his mother would always do but around this time virginia actually gave up doing that and she was settling down living in huntington california she would tell David about the amount of homeless people and hippies that were populating the area, and she said she would often feed them peanut butter sandwiches while telling them about her religion. Not peanut butter and jelly, just peanut butter sandwiches.
0: Well, it's it's poor food. I'm, I'm
1: just thinking about in the heat and your mouth. <laughs> I'm thinking about, a to- uh, yeah, like a dog, like when they're like, yeah. Wah. Yeah. Because if you're on the beach and you're eating yeah. a peanut butter
0: sandwich. I can't do that. It's a doozy. There has to be honey. Oh
1: okay yeah no i'll i'll smack down some honey peanut butter and yeah
0: with some maybe some banana uh, uh,
1: yeah lace Mm -hmm. chips on the side for that little salty effect
0: lace chips on the side all right you know i like my salt i used to eat it like not with bread but i would eat it with a tortilla okay
1: you're getting a little weird on me but i'll dig it because the banana is i did something really gross and you're gonna get really mad when i tell you it (laughs) I would buy the honey peanut butter first off. So it already had a little honey in it.
0: Uh
1: I would take a cheese it No, that's not. Put the honey peanut butter on it. Put the banana on it. Put a piece of cheese on it. Put the other cheese it and make it into a little sandwich. Eat it. Perfect blend of salty and sweet. I was going to say, I'm
0: sure that's really good, actually.
1: It was. It sounds gross. Perfect blend. So
0: regular cheese it right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then peanut butter, banana, cheese. Mm-hmm. and then you just and I would just use whatever cheese I had at the house at a very odd childhood if it was American cheese I'm gonna kill you <laughs> it probably was like Swiss to be honest
1: but okay I really bad. like Swiss Yeah, so I'm, that or maybe like some some mozzarella maybe
0: no but anyway the banana would fit perfectly in the tortilla hmm. so just like wrap up really well and then the peanut butter would keep it all in place because it's you know gooey and sticky okay what and if we do honey. that
1: and then we deep fry it stop
0: air fry it yes okay i'm serious oh yeah okay
1: but they weren't getting all that they were just getting bread no nope. peanut butter bread right eat it on the beach
0: sounds unhappy like, sounds like a was warm... she also giving them water or were they just having to smack down <laughs> They're these just literally smacking peanut butter all day i can't
1: imagine the unhappy asmr sounds coming from this beach No. ew, ew. While this was happening, David had met a man named Fred Jordan, who was the founder of the Soul Clinic, which is a missionary training school program in Miami, Florida. So David and his family went to Florida and they started spreading the word of their religion in 1966. Fred Jordan and David had a falling out. I don't know what it was about, but David took his family and went on the road again, this time as a gospel choir, and he called them the Berg family singers by 1968. After two years on the road, Virginia convinced David to instead bring his family to California and spread their messages there. So in 1968, David moved himself, his wife, Jane and his children. He now had four children. So earlier we mentioned Deborah and Aaron. He now had another son named Jonathan and a daughter named faith. He moved them all out to Huntington beach and changed the name of the singing group to teens for Christ. They would perform on the boardwalks and the beaches and invite people in and then tell them about their beliefs. On March 14th, 1968, Virginia ended up passing away, which was not long after David actually moved out to California to be near her. But David took over for his mother by recruiting these homeless hippie people and the population because he noticed these were going to be the easiest people to manipulate and they all seemed very lonely. David continued doing as his mother did, and he would give out the free sandwiches. This time he was giving out free coffee. So okay. he he took it a step up. Other than just free coffee, he was having his family sing songs, and he would wait until people were comfortable enough, and then he would, list, he would tell them about his message and have them listen. Also in 1968, David decided to try and band together all of his followers he was slowly accumulating by writing an article called The War on the System. It was published by the Huntington Beach newspaper. So in this message about the the war on the system, the group initially was spreading the message of salvation from apocaly- apocalypticism, mm-hmm. <laughs> spiritual revolution and happiness and to distrust the outside world, which the members would call the system. So it was about rebelling against the system and how the government, schools, education systems, religion, obeying rules, parents, they're all systems put in place to limit us. He made parents, government, and leaders of any kind seem like they're against God by trying to be in charge when God should be the only person in charge. So he said the smartest thing to do would be to just rebel. He gave examples of how there are different rebels in the Bible and he claimed Jesus was the biggest rebel of all. So let's be more like
0: Jesus. I mean, I guess that's not he's not he's not wrong. But the thing
1: he was trying to do was turn you against your parents so that yeah. you left your parents and came to him.
0: Right. If he wouldn't have done that, decent message. But then wouldn't that make him also part of? He's the- a leader. Re- yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So,
1: but he's rebelling too. So he doesn't see himself as leader. Oh. He's okay. instead the leader of the rebels, which cancels out because you got the two words. So now he has no words. It's math. <laughs> it cancels out. <laughs> it's cross multiplication division thing, long division. Yeah. Huh. Okay. In 1969, David was receiving strong resistance from local churches due to his followers starting to, like, picket outside the churches. And the resistance of his group was beginning to have a big effect. So the fact that David was opposing everything all nearby religions were saying, the local churches didn't like him. So he ended up leaving and he left a group of followers in a compound in Huntington, but picked up his family and moved on to start other compounds in other places. Usually he would have anywhere from 40 to 50 people in the compounds, like in the areas or traveling with him. While they were camping at a compound in Washington, they were at the Lewis and Clark State Park where a news reporter officially called them the Children of God. And that's around the time when the name supposedly stuck. So we're unsure if the news reporter gave the name or if maybe a member gave the name to the news reporter per David or if David gave the name. But it was around that time when they became Children of God. During another stage of creating compounds all over the world, David found himself in Arizona where he met a new member that had joined named Karen Zerby. Karen hadn't officially joined yet. She was kind of just like a loose follower that like came and listened every so often. And Karen was also raised in a very conservative religious home with very religious parents that also worked in churches. Very similar to David. David ended up talking to his wife and convincing his wife, that Karen needed to join the group because Karen was special. Okay. (laughs) I would already be irritated if my husband 24-7 is telling me about how this other woman is special. Especially if her name is Karen. Ugh. Well, they weren't (laughs) Karens back then, though, I guess, probably.
0: I don't know. I don't know. Karen's always (laughs) been a weird name.
1: Karen ended up becoming his second wife because he convinced his wife that polygamy is the only solution to move forward in life.
0: It sounds very, uh, Jim. Jim Jim Jim, Jonesy? Yeah.
1: You're gonna feel a lot of Jim Jonesy vibes. Just wait. I'll I'll point some out too. Okay. Karen had many nicknames over the years, also, just like how David did. Hers were Mama Maria, Queen Maria, Maria David, Maria Fontaine, Queen Prophetess. She went by Maria quite often, and sometimes people in the cult actually called her Maria more than Karen. I'm gonna refer to her as Karen because I kept writing Karen, and then at one point in the outline I did switch to Maria, so I just changed them all back to Karen. But sometimes you'll hear later in the story when people are talking about how someone had a baby and it was one of his women named Maria, and people get confused not realizing Karen and Maria are the same person. Like many cult leaders, David predicted several apocalyptic events that, of course, did not end up occurring. Some of his best-known predictions were that the comet Coatec Isn't that how you pronounce it? I think so. In 1974 would wreak havoc and possible destruction on the planet. He predicted that California would imminently fall into the ocean due to earthquakes. He also said the Great Tribulation from Book of Revelation would begin in 1989. He also said the second coming of Jesus would happen in 1993. These are
0: fucking big claims. I mean, people are still claiming that California is eventually. No, not Cal. Well, a little bit of California, but more of uh, Florida being. Oh, Florida's just gonna fall off. Yeah, like it it's gonna get
1: But that's because of drowned. all the other shit too. I don't know. I just don't trust Florida. <laughs> if Florida could disattach itself, I think it would. I found out why Florida's crazy. Do you why? know why Florida's crazy? Why is Florida crazy? Florida's not crazy. Every fucking state's crazy. Florida's the sunshine law. The sunshine law means you can't hide files, meaning anything that happens is allowed to be put out there in the world. So anything, oh. literally a man. Does meth and then eats his neighbor's face, you can put it in the paper. However, you know, if you live in the state of Idaho, if a man eats the face of his neighbor, unless all the proper things are done and police do all the proper work and stuff like that, and all of it's released to the public, it can't be talked about in news reports and stuff like that. So the fact Hmm. that Florida has this sunshine law, everything's up for free grab. So of course you're going to do a bunch of fucking hard hitting news evidence to keep getting the name out there or in other states. Or not any
0: evidence. That's the thing. Like,
1: But the sunshine law is what makes Florida seem crazier than it is. So essentially they did it to themselves. They were like, Hmm. we want to be known for something. Let's be
0: fucking insane. I think they're okay with that. Yeah. They would have changed it if they weren't. Like I always say, they're the GTA of the world. But I
1: figured that's why I I thought about it the other day. Anyways. Those are really big claims. Why not just claim like, hey, I claim that um, my wife's going to get mad that I'm going to marry two women. I claim that uh, since I have two wives, I'm probably going to end up having another kid somewhere because I'm now having double the amount of sex. I claim that uh, tomorrow I'm going to have an apple for breakfast. I don't know. Start small.
0: Right. (laughs) Start small. Just some life advice
1: for the next cult leader here.
0: Uh, Just don't fuck it up. Or like do things that, you know, you're in control of. Yeah. Yeah. Not saying that like
1: fucking swarms of locusts are going to come down yeah. on april 14th 1993 at 2 p.m because when they don't happen people work. are gonna be
0: like oh
1: like in heaven's gate when the fucking woman died and then he's like oh shit right um, <laughs> i gotta change everything turns out guys i was kidding
0: for right. the past
1: 20 years that you guys have been following me here's the new rules right like you can't just do that cult leaders Ugh. ask me if you want to be a cult leader i got tips for you i got
0: tips <laughs>
1: Can't spell cult without you. <laughs> so, other than apocalyptic events, that was not the only wild thing David would claim. He claimed that there were only one hundred and forty-four thousand people allowed in heaven, and he read this from the Bible. He said, "So he claimed that how do you regulate these one hundred and forty-four thousand dollars, forty-four thousand people? <laughs> if your followers pray hard enough, they can pray someone else out of heaven and switch places with them to get into heaven.
0: Where did he find this in the Bible?
1: It's just in there. You got to read between the lines." Okay. Yeah. I just really like that swapping out concept, though. (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty interesting. Yeah. So, what happens? All right. So, let's say tomorrow I die. Okay. So, I get sent up to heaven. So, but I'm the 144,000 person. And then, Kylie, you're going to die the next day. So, if you pray me out of heaven, I get sent to hell. So then what? You get to heaven and I have to live for eternity in hell? Is that what he's saying? Like, I don't get the chance to redeem myself all because you died after me? That's
0: pretty unfair. I think it's more like um, there's 144,000 people at all times. And then if you pray hard enough, you can take their spot. So what happens to them, though?
1: Hell, I guess. That's not fair. Like, I imagine Teddy Teddy Roosevelt. I don't know why he went to my brain first. (laughs) I... (laughs) He was like a big game hunter, I think. I don't think he's in heaven. All right. Who's a really good person? <laughs> Betty White. You're yes. telling me that Betty White, if someone else prays that Betty White's going to spend eternity in hell? Nah, that is not how it works, bruh. No. If heaven's real, Betty White is going to be in it for eternity. Yes. <sighs> also, 144,000 <laughs> people. Do you know how many people die like per day even? Right. Not, uh, no. Right. OK, so
0: anyways. It's not even close.
1: Oh, when he also said all this, he also said, "You know the system that he talked about earlier, like Mm -hmm. the system. Everything's a system. Satan's part of the system. That's why the system's so bad. It's it's Satan runs the system. So remember all the things that are in the system: the government, Mm -hmm. other churches, your parents. Yes, these are all run by Satan. Oh, so (laughs) just really hitting balls to the walls. Like some people, they like." throw a bunch of stuff at the wall and see what sticks. No, he's just like gluing stuff to the wall. He's like, watch this. (laughs) He's fucking crackhead at this point. Also in 1969, David started having new members sign a revolutionary contract that would sign everything they owned over to children of God. Jim Jones, Jim Jones vibes. The group was starting to grow and David needed to find a better settling spot to settle down in. So in January of 1970, David went back to Fred Jordan, which is interesting because they had a falling out and I couldn't figure out why. So apparently it wasn't that bad because he went back to him and he asked him for a favor. He said, hey, yo, Fred, what (laughs) up? Hey, yo, Fred. Can I borrow the Texas Soul Clinic in Thurber, Texas? And Fred's like, sure. Didn't ask him what it was for or anything, obviously. So it's about 100 miles from Dallas and he went there. Uh, the Texas soul clinic and he created another compound around this time David started creating distrust with everyone that his followers knew besides him because he told his followers Satan can be anywhere in the system he can be all around you he's the only one that David is the only one that can be trusted because David is obviously not Satan because he's Moses, he's a prophet mm, for God. But
0: it still makes him the system.
1: So he's special and he doesn't count. No, that still makes him the system. No, no, he's better than the system. Mm. He created it so he well he knows about it. So he's he's
0: warning you. Of. But the only creator is God. Well, God dubbed <laughs> him though.
1: Oh, okay. He's special. You know God <laughs> dubs is a all cult leaders.
0: <laughs> David.
1: <laughs> I hate that you said it in the Schitt's Creek, like, voice. David. Yo, <laughs> David. Yo, <Ew>,
0: David.
1: <laughs> so David started stripping people of their identities to make it less about single individualism and more about the group as a whole. And so new members were given new names from the Old Testament and were called the Babes, which is again very culty that happened in heaven's gate that happened in Jonestown. I think that happened in Ashenrikyo. It happens in a lot of cults. You have
0: no idea what Ash Enrico is. I, I realized when I said that. I do have an idea. We've talked about it before, mm-hmm. but still that's very interesting. Like, why? Like, because you're like reinventing yourself. Uh, I think it's actually to make them feel demoted almost as a person. Like your old self doesn't exist. Yeah. yeah.
1: You're now part of this whole, but also it's like,
0: so essentially, you don't it have is individualism. You're like, yeah, you're starting over with this name. You don't like this name is a follower, and that's it.
1: It also he stripped them of all their belongings and made them sign everything over. And that's just the last belonging they had was their individualism, their name, what they came with, something like that. Mm-hmm. Now you don't even have that. Yeah. You were just what I created you to be.
0: Okay. That's with a lot of cults, though, too. So it's mm-hmm. just like a normal thing.
1: Yeah. Since everyone had signed over everything, no one was allowed to have possessions, like I said, but they were allowed to own a Bible, of which they were kind of made it more toxic because they are instilling the only thing you can keep. And it's this religion. Everything in the compounds was communal. 24 um, seven, like other compounds, there was always speakers broadcasting day and night and they were broadcasting Bible verses and chapters all hours. Very loud, very annoying. Think again, every cult
0: you ever thought of. Can I sleep?
1: Uh, No, man we don't got time for that (laughs) their dinner would be like the movie a bug's life is the best way for me to think about it (laughs) I can love that movie i love that movie so you know how they just put the leaf out and everyone throws all the food on it and then that's where their food that's essentially what they did here they would just make a big pile of food and everyone would eat together but how they acquired the food was by begging looking in dumpsters or however they could do it and you just throw all the food together and everyone would be happy Happy with dumpster food? Apparently. Great. I mean, I guess that's better than starving like they did in Jonestown. You you got options here. You can starve or you can eat a dumpster food. Well, actually, I really don't want to be part of the cult, so I guess I'd starve to try and get out of it. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Everyone in the group also had a buddy that they would have to check in with to make sure they were doing their daily tasks at the compound. Some of their daily tasks, which would be consisting of a normal day, would have an a.m. Bible study, a p.m. Bible study, and you would have to
0: memorize 10 chapters of the Bible every single day. Ten chapters. Every day. Memorize. Every day. I'm trying to think of one of the really long ones. That would suck.
1: What if you had to do revelations? There are a That's lot of big they, words in yeah, there. Yeah, just
0: no, what anything a, in general. Exodus. Holy yeah. shit. There's one that I'm thinking of and I can't think of it now.
1: The really long
0: word one. I'm trying to Deuteronomy. No. But that's that's a hard one too.
1: Does it begin with a C?
0: Uh E, I'm thinking E.
1: I just all I googled was the word Bible.
0: Ecclesia- Ecclesiastes.
1: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's an E. I I forgot like what I was Googling, so all I just to, said was yeah, Bible, I'm and it showed me lots of Bibles you can buy.
0: My previous religion upbringing,
1: God, there's so many I would hate to do. I would hate <laughs> collisions, was what I was thinking of. Oh, okay, but uh, doing the last, Oh my god, there's so many I would hate to do, but imagine having to do like okay. So, if you had to do some, let's say you had to do all of like, could you like paraphrase though? Parts in the New Testament or do you have to switch around and do like two of New Testament, three of Old Testament every week? Like, what if you have to do like. uh, Ezekiel, Matthew and then like first Corinthians and. mm, I don't know, like Revelation. That's like all over the place and sidetracked. We're sidetracked because we're unhappy. (laughs) We sound really up to date on our Bible studies, though, right now. Yeah, we do. (laughs) David would end up having sermons every day for his followers, and he created circles, an inner circle like most cults have, and he would perform private sermons as well to them. He also was dividing the group into 12 different groups, and he said it was because the tribes of Israel from the Bible. And he said the groups were in place to separate different people from with their different needs, but really it was just to assign people into different work assignments. Now I mentioned the private circle. The private circle was treated very differently than the regular population. David would tell the general population of the followers that there is no sexual activity allowed, including holding hands or even kissing. He said there should be no premarital sex. However, the inner circle was exactly the opposite. He said that the whole cult is pretty much solely based on sex, including having sex with your family or children. We're getting a little bit into the. Sex cult. Sex cult, but also just the pure um, disgust of it. The ick. The ick. So I've tried to avoid talking about the incest, but we need to kind of dive into it to know where David's headspace is at. Stories emerged about how David would give his daughters, and I quote this because it's how he worded it, a front rubbing in order to help his kids fall asleep at night. That's very similar to the Maria story from his childhood. Really hate the term front rubbing. Right. With every fiber of my being, just saying it makes me want to... um, throw my iPad across the room. <laughs> he also would have family orgies. That those two words can't be in the same sentence. <laughs> no.
0: No, they can't.
1: David would not participate in them. Go David. Wow, really stand-up guy right there. No, um just kidding. Instead, he would get naked and watch them, just walking around watching everyone else perform in the the family orgy. There's a story of a time where Deborah, which was his daughter, Deborah's husband, Jonathan, his son and Jonathan's wife and Aaron, his other son and Aaron's wife. So Deborah, Deborah's husband, Jonathan, Jonathan's wife, Aaron, Aaron's wife. And David all went to a hotel room and he got naked, grabbed a bottle of wine and said, hey, it's time for a sharing party. He loves the term sharing party. Um. At first, he didn't participate, but David did eventually start having sex with his son's wives and being part of the orgies. He would use the tactics of sex to rank his family members and rank the inner circle. In that side note, due to depression in 1973, David's son, Aaron, actually did commit suicide by jumping to his death. But David said he wasn't sure why. Oh, I don't know. Maybe the fact that you're like fucking... Aaron Aaron's wife and Aaron's children and he has to like sit there and watch and like all of his siblings I don't know David I have an idea kind of fucked up
0: kind of fucked up
1: even though we're talking about David giving these sermons and such David actually lived in seclusion at one point well for a long point after the sermons and stuff he was communicating with his followers instead by letters this is the letters I was talking about earlier by 1972, David was no longer present in real life. He was only known through the letters. These letters were essentially a newsletter. He called them the Mo letters because he goes by Mo or Moses. So he called these the Mo letters. In the end, he wrote almost 3,000 letters, and you can read a lot of them online. The letters would cover spiritual events he deemed existed. Sometimes they were just made up. He would introduce new policies and he would dictate to followers the changes that he was making. They were numbered like Bible passages to show their importance, he said. One of the changes he made in one of the letters was he sent his first wife, Jane, to live off the compound. Hmm. Love when cult leaders send their wives away. <laughs> like, I'm sure sorry, nothing this is shady. best for everyone. Bye. Especially when he's like, hey, let's be into pol- pol- polyamory. Yeah. P.S. Can you move away? No biggie. Like no biggie. Mm. But like. And imagine I what Jane's going through because her son just committed suicide too.
0: Oh yeah. And
1: she's having to deal with all of her children probably
0: being miserable. Yeah. I mean they're definitely not happy.
1: Karen his second wife was still living on the compound though and he told everyone about this change that he made via a mo letter. So. I didn't know if you'd be wondering about what the size of the cult is at at this point. So it's it's 1973. Children of God had two thousand four hundred members. There were one hundred and forty compounds in 40 different countries. They were like across the world.
0: That just boggles my mind, because when they were in that
1: hotel room, I I wished I would wrote it down. I can't remember where they were at, but they were in a different country even. Oh, so it wasn't always just the U.S., But it wasn't a huge cult, only 2,400 members and 140 compounds. That's that's not a lot. You're talking single and barely double digits per compound. I
0: know, but still.
1: But it would start growing really fast. The Mo letters and the 1970s brought a lot of changes to Children of God, and each change gets worse. So we're going to just talk about what happened in the 70s. In the 70s, people were starting to become aware of cults due to Jonestown and the dangers of them. People were trying to leave the compounds and they were telling their family members to leave. So with this, David wrote a Mo letter calling these people the 1036ers. He was referencing Matthew 1036, which says. A a man's foes shall be they of his own household. It reinforced the idea that only David can be trusted because distrust comes from those within like the people, you know, David also started encouraging wife and husband swapping. And I'm not talking about like wife swap TV show. I'm talking like, hey, you have sex with Margie tonight, and I'll have sex with Corey and it'll be a super fun time. No, not normal. That's not what people want to do. If we wanted to do that, we would all be in open relationships. But they weren't, so they didn't want this. But it's okay. He also said other really cool things. Just wait. He said masturbation is not taboo and it should be accepted in public. So, you know, just go wank it on the corner. It's fine. The law says differently. (laughs) (laughs) He is above the law because remember, that's part of the system. Yeah, you have fun fun saying that in jail. He also encouraged orgies and he encouraged the whole family to participate in the event because incest is a game the whole family can play. (laughs) He didn't say that, but I wished he did. It would have been a little cherry on top of this whole event because it would have been the only funny thing he ever said. Ugh. he started saying other things. He said that since women can conceive at an age younger than 18, they should be allowed to marry or have sex under the age of 18. He started introducing pedophilia and incest into the group heavily at this time. And the only things that were forbidden in the group was homosexuality or pulling out during sex because sex is for conceiving. What? (laughs) So... With everyone having a lot of sex and not being allowed to pull out. Little orgies. Yeah. There were a lot of pregnancies and babies being brought into the cult and the numbers were growing. So that 2400 was getting very much bigger, very
0: fast. Yeah.
1: In other letters, David addressed his new term called loving Jesus.
0: What? Do you have sex with Jesus now?
1: Yes. Okay. (laughs) I was kidding. (laughs) It is a term members use to describe their intimate sexual relationship they have with Jesus. But since homosexuality is wrong, David found an answer for that, too. So if you were a male member, you were told to visualize yourself as a woman having sex with Jesus in order to avoid having a homosexual relationship with Jesus. How
0: sexist thinking that Jesus is a dude. <laughs> That's all you got from that? No. <laughs> Still, <laughs> David said loving
1: Jesus was a teaching like a radical form of bridal theology. And he believed that his followers are Christ's bride called to love and serve him as a wife would. But you should take it a step further with the concept of imagining Jesus joining them during sexual intercourse or masturbation. Now, if you're thinking this is awkward, <laughs> don't worry. Good. Karen Good. Zerbe, oh, the second gosh. wife, helped him because she added in the mo letters... Some things that the followers can say and think while you're having your time with Jesus. Would you like to hear them? (laughs) I would love to. I want you, Jesus. I want to taste you. You're beautiful, Jesus. You're my one, Jesus. I'm excited for you, Jesus. I am throbbing for you, Jesus. I get hard for you, Jesus. And a lot more. I actually took out the bad ones. Yeah, the bad ones. There was one that was just like, I have a dripping pussy for you, Jesus, or something. And I was just like, oh, but I said it anyway. So there we go. Oh, my goodness. Okay. And then after you have this special time with Jesus, you're supposed to thank him by praying with him. So don't don't forget to pray with him after you, you know, jack off to the thought of you being a woman fucking Jesus. Because you're not a homo, no, right? No, 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 that'd no, be no, weird. no, 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 no. And no, no, then no, afterwards, no. you can go have sex with your, your wife, gosh. your brother, and their two children, and your daughter. It's best of both worlds here. You get to fuck Jesus and your whole family. Hannah Montana, sing. You get the best of both
0: worlds. You get the best of both worlds.
1: Now, if you think that shit's hitting the wall right now, we are literally at the beginning still. They also started talking about their spirit helpers. (laughs) Karen brought out the idea in a letter that certain helpers are being mentioned and she called them spirit helpers. They are departed saints, angels, famous people or random average people who have died and been assigned to guide, counsel and protect members of the cult or assist them in Christian
0: warfare. Have you seen Big Mouth? (laughs) No. Anyone that has seen Big Mouth, all I'm thinking about is your hormone monster. So in case you were wondering who some of these spirit helpers are,
1: Karen actually mentioned some. Would you like to hear, Kylie? I'm ready. Rasputin. Oh. Arthur Ashe, who is a tennis player who was alive at the time. I would love to be that person. Elvis, the singer. He died in 1977, but these newsletters came out in 1973. And remember, these are supposed to be of dead people. Mm. George Burns, a comedian who was also alive. (laughs) Frosty the Snowman. Okay. (laughs) Merlin. And um, Richard Nixon, an ex-president who was still alive.
0: Frosty the snowman. Richard Nixon. Frosty the fucking snowman. Richard Nixon. No, like what? Merlin also. Yeah. Did you just get hard thinking about the carrot? No. Whoa, whoa, whoa.
1: First off, these weren't people you bonered to, Kylie. These were your spirit helpers that were helping to protect you against Christian warfare. You're trying to tell me when the apocalypse is coming and... There are all of the things happening. There is blood (laughs) pouring from the sky, locusts, plagues. You don't want Frosty on your side.
0: (laughs) Whoa, I got intense. I got a little hot right there. Frosty the fucking snowman. What is Frosty the fucking snowman going to do for me? Maybe he has snow powers. It's California. He might have (laughs) snow
1: powers. First off, they're in Texas.
0: Oh, that's even worse. So in
1: 1974, there was another letter. Berg began preparing his followers for a revelation he had called flirty fishing. David brought out the idea by testing it on Karen Zerby and the inner circle and some family members before taking it publicly to the cult. So female members of the Children of God were called the Fisherwoman. They would apply their sex appeal on the fish, which are men that are outside of the cult, by using their bodies to make money for Jesus and seeking donations.
0: It's like sirens, but also prostitutes. Siren prostitutes. There's literally (laughs) prostitutes. Yeah. Karen said
1: that in 1974, she had sex 137 times with 18 different employees of a hotel while they were staying in Spain and claimed that a man named Carlos, who worked there as a waiter, got her pregnant. And this will come into play later with DeVito. And uh, I just wanted to put in that number, though, so that you got that that number vibe here. 137 times with 18 different people. Was
0: she counting?
1: Tallies. Hold on, hold on. Was that four or five four? Okay, okay, okay. Next, next. You no no no, not you, sir. You are number six. Did you not take did you lose your number again? Number six. Shouldn't even have names for him anymore. Number 133. We're ready for you. 133. Can you bring a water bottle in this time though, honey? I'm a little parched. David said they owed Jesus their body, and this is how they could pay them, pay him back. So they were often called hookers for Jesus. I'm sure they were. (laughs) Which is actually like, it's a famous slogan. You could buy merch with hookers for Jesus on it and stuff. Still to this day, you can look up things that are hookers for Jesus. They obviously made the numbers of the cult grow again with this hookers for Jesus plan of flirty fishing. But flirty fishing wasn't just all fun and games, Kylie. It had rules, which were addressed in a mo letter called the seven F's of fishing. Oh, God. First off, the seven F's for fishing only has three F's. (laughs) Okay. Let's just go through these. Effective. Effective. Fruitful. Efficient. Financial. Official. Forever. Effective. Can we talk about (laughs) that for a second? You gotta really let that one sink in.
0: E-fuck-
1: tiv (laughs) it's effective effective right like those those two together just great great shirt slogan there
0: oh man so the seven
1: f's of fishing only had three that began with f he's really i can't tell if he
0: like thought he like e fish effect like effect it why didn't you just say effective
1: well he thought he was being effective
0: by putting both (laughs) okay
1: so with the seven Fs of fishing being the fundamentals of the fi- fish, f- final fishing. This is a lot fuck. of Fs here. <laughs> Flirty fishing rules approach. They used it as a financial support system and as way of gain followers and as political protection. Because when they were saying like official, like fuck officials, you know, make the of uh, only fuck efficient people that'll help us in the long run. Financial only people that can get us money, things like that. They kind of sound silly, but they really did mean things. So blackmail,
0: mm, yeah, and kind of.
1: and the protection, yeah, there, yeah.
0: Hmm. All right.
1: So the pressure to m- raise money was really intense. They said, and an ex member said in an interview that members who were good at raising money and distributing the pamphlets were called shiners, and those who had poor sales were called shamers. If you missed your quota, you couldn't come home for dinner. They said. They also used the nickname sheep. For people they thought were an easy target.
0: That's pretty normal. Yeah.
1: that's But still just disrespectful. Oh, yeah. Sheep are cute. (laughs) Not as cute as goats. No, not pretty cute. Jasper. Sorry. There's a cute TikTok goat named Jasper, guys. Yeah, go look look him up up,
0: because he's literally the cutest thing
1: you've ever seen in your life. Some numbers for you on the Children of God cult. In the first four years of flirty fishing, they attempted to fish. 400,000 people, but only ended up having sex with 63,000 of them, and 30,000 of them joined the Colton state in it. During the first year of flirty fishing, because that was the first four years summed up, during the first year, 300 children were born and they were called Jesus babies. Now, according to other sources, over 200,000 men were actually fished for sex that, that actually had the sex. And over 10,000 babies were born into the cult between 1971 and 2001. Jeez. Including babies that didn't know they were part of the cult and maybe got out, things like that, or scenarios. And incest
0: babies. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: How old would these people be now? 1970s. Oh, like our
0: parents' age. Yeah. (laughs) My mom was born in 69.
1: Okay, interesting. I was just
0: trying to think of, like, what lifespan they would be at and stuff. Yeah, super weird to think about. Hmm. Like really weird to think about. Yeah, because this is
1: during when we're still alive and stuff. Yeah, but not like we're still alive. Like our family lineage and yeah. stuff. We've known people this age.
0: Yeah, that's super weird to think about.
1: This story spans all the way into nowadays. So just just mm-hmm. wait. We're still in the seventies now. Since Karen Zerby was the first woman to be drafted as a fisherwoman, she met a man named David. And uh, no, I'm sorry. I uh, fuck whatever. (laughs) She didn't meet a man named David. She met a man. David named him. That's yeah, fuck that. Okay, whatever. Oh, okay. David named him King Arthur. I don't know what his name was. David just called him King Arthur. He was very successful. And because of this, David wrote over 20 Mo letters just about this man. That's not
0: weird. (laughs)
1: Now, this King Arthur dude did live in London, but like that was it. He wasn't related to King Arthur. He didn't sit at a round table. Nothing else. Just David liked to call him King Arthur. And he like addressed King Arthur as being like majestic and handsome and stuff in the letters. And he wrote 20 some letters about him. Out of 3000, over 20 letters about one singular person is a little much. I'm sure they obviously had other things in them. I'm thinking of them like a news pamphlet almost. With like multiple articles per one. Oh, okay. does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Still really like weird. a zine, sign zine zine magazine zine like a zine. Is that a word? Yeah, like when you're in high school, like if you ever had those little, they were called zines. It's like a magazine, but it's like a newsletter version of a magazine. They're called oh. zines.
0: And you just call them a newsletter.
1: But they're spelled Z-I-N-E, like. M- m- magazine. I've never heard of that before. we're okay. just I'm, call them a newsletter. Yeah, I don't even fucking care about this <laughs> part of the conversation. Alright. The next step of flirty fishing was when a man would go out. So after they solidified that women flirty fishers were a good idea and the fish fishmongers whatever they called them, worked they decided to have men do it. But the men were called catacombers like Paris Catacomb. And they were supposed to bring back underage girls to convince them to join the cult, so that it had fresh new people in the cult. And because David told them there's nothing wrong with having sex with underage girls, so
0: again, the law says otherwise.
1: <laughs> so I kept trying to think of a way to make a joke, like how jail bait means you're too young, and like they were called catacombers because they were old and decrepit compared to the young girls, or something like. I, don't,
0: I was truly were trying. They?
1: To- No, but I was trying to make a joke really hard and it never came to me, but just know there's a joke there and it's on the tip of my tongue, (laughs) but I don't know what the joke is yet. It's there. Catacombers versus jailbait. I don't know. Pedophilia. There's, there's a joke there somewhere. (laughs) So not only were babies becoming abundant during this time, but STIs and STDs were starting to overcome the cult at this point. But David told them that that's no biggie. He like, had a whole passage about it in a mo letter, and he said that it's God's will. if it is, but it's okay. it's not happening because God wouldn't let them have something that bad happen to them. blah, blah blah. He's a piece of shit. We all are aware of it at this point. Moving on. <laughs> at this point, David also originally he started using sex to rank members of his family in the cult. But now that's what he was doing with flirty fishers also, so he would, rank them and have like a Flirty Fisher of the Month, top five Flirty Fishers, things like that. I told you, it's like a little newsletter.
0: <laughs> it literally is like a newsletter. It literally is a newsletter. It's
1: like the Gossip Corner next week. We don't we don't have Zodiac signs because Zodiacs don't exist. We have Flirty Fisher signs. If you have sex with 20 people, you're a Virgo. If you have sex with 90 people, <laughs> you're a Scorpio. If you have sex with zero people, you're a Capricorn. <laughs> I don't know why he talks like that. The next set of Mo letters talked about sexual sharing it is just as bad as it sounds it is now a requirement in the compounds that all members of the population have sex with everyone including children and family members
0: it's a requirement a
1: requirement and i'm telling you there was like no age rules because later you will find out about like someone barely over the age of one having sex sexual relations a blowjob The next set of mo letters talked about something called the glorified God in the dance. It required all women of all ages to send nude photos, nude videos, videos of them masturbating or dancing naked to David. If they defied the rules, they would be publicly beaten, publicly humiliated, and have to use the smile machine. The smile machine is a device that has i wish i could act this for people what's that game where you go like that oh, and it like holds your face like
0: this? yeah it was like really popular with like ellen and all of them mm-hmm. but yeah but i mean it's used in like dentist's office yeah is it? so that office thing is. it's
1: like plastic and it goes on the yeah. edge of your teeth but then this was attached to elastic bands that went around your ears that would force you to just be in a smile position with your face All day and night. And he would make you wear these for like days at a time.
0: Where did that come from?
1: His fucked up mind. Jesus. (laughs) All right. So these tactics were called teen training. On January 25th, 1975, a baby was born. I mean, there were a lot of babies born, but this was a special baby. Special baby. This would become the Messiah. (laughs) This was also a Jesus baby. But David told everyone via another mo letter about this baby because it's Karen's baby. And it was that baby from that man named Carlos and all that. We'll talk about it more later. I know I keep like hinting at that, but it's really important. In February of 1978, David changed the name from the family of to the family of love. But it also got called the family quite often. So they were no longer children of God. Eventually, this will get changed again to the Family International, but he was trying to do an in-house cleanup. He got rid of anyone that didn't believe in pedophilia, anyone that didn't believe in incest and his whole movement that he was creating, because this was the same time as the Jamestown Massacre. Jonestown, fuck me. (laughs) This was the same time as the Jonestown Massacre, and it's partially the reason for him changing things up, because he was trying to get the heat off him from people thinking that he was the leader of a cult. And he just he thought that if he did all this, people would think that the group disbanded and that they ended when they changed the name. But really, they just changed the name.
0: Oh, wait, am I am I in a cult? Is this a is David a cult leader? Am I a cult? Wait, wait, you would think this is a cult? No,
1: no, silly, silly. It's just a group of people that have no free will and you have to do what everyone tells you and you're stuck in a compound 24 hours a day and you don't have free will anymore.
0: But that's not that's not like a cult, right? It's not like a
1: cult. It's more like
0: a cult. (laughs) Decort. It
1: has three three L's, please. (laughs) David called this event the Reorganization Nationalization Revolution. Okay. He loves naming things. He thinks he's so goddamn clever. I just want to
0: reorganization,
1: nationalization, revolution. Oh, come on. Do you remember back in the day, those commercials where they're like, could have had a V8 and they just smack you in the forehead really hard. Yeah. Every time David thinks I just want to do that, <laughs> just... <laughs> give him a little whack on the what? head. The group was still being accused of sexually abusing and raping minors because it's not OK. This is something I really wanted to bring up every time I heard anyone talk about this podcast or like this episode. I listen to so many people and I'm not mad at any other podcaster. We're doing this because it's how we think when we hear this phrase, but it's not having sex with underage people and having sex with minors. It is rape because they are physically not allowed to give you consent. It's rape. They're not able to. So every time we're talking about this, right. it's rape. Right. And like, I, okay. But this was still happening within the organization, and there was considerable evidence supporting this. So about an eighth of the total membership had actually left the movement around this time during his reorganization, nationalization revolution. Now we talked about Jesus, baby. So let's talk about Jesus, baby. This was the Messiah, baby, according to David. David was not the father biologically, but he claimed he was his spiritual father. Just, you know, not his flesh, daddy. Again, that's David's term, flesh daddy. Flesh daddy. Oh, right. That should be my new username, flesh daddy 6969666. <laughs> oh, man. Should I call my dad my flesh no. daddy
0: in my phone?
1: <laughs> no. No. <laughs> so this child was named Ricky Rodriguez, but David called him DeVito. Because he's so obsessed with himself that he needs to name his children after him. Is it DeVito or is it David Ito? I've heard it both ways. And DeVito rolls off the tongue a little better for me. Yeah, it does. But it's probably David Ito because I can't pronounce anything. But we're going with DeVito. (laughs) Okay. David believed that in the book of Revelations, when it says in the end time, there will be two witnesses or prophets that can be the only ones to defeat the Antichrist. David said that's describing. Karen and Ricky, the prophets.
0: David, and he's the antichrist. <laughs> <laughs> no, yes. the system is the antichrist. <laughs> no. <laughs> David thought Ricky
1: was a prophet because he was born in the seventh hour. He weighed seven kilos, and he's born on the seventh day. Okay, but when I said that, remember he's born on the twenty-fifth. That's because two plus five equals seven. A little bit of a stretch here. Mm. The bill of his birth was also approximately $7,000. And David was obsessed with numerology and the number seven. So this is all a sign. To me, that feels very Sarah Winchester-y where they're like, number 13. Yeah. And Sarah's like, um, no. <laughs> Everyone Sarah knew. No.
0: <laughs> no.
1: Ricky's life was detailed entirely in a journal that was 762 pages. It's called The Story of Davito," which was released in 1982. But they now partially covered part of it and they re-released it called the DeVito book. And that was republished in 1999. And then it was later again corrected and republished in 2005. So the reason part of this was edited was because people were realizing they were going to get charged with sexual activity, molestation and the abuse of a minor. And the group actually said the book was a manual on how to raise a child. But that's interesting because, again, there were pictures of them doing sexual illicit activities to a child under the age of three. Again, the law. <laughs> and instead of taking those pictures out or anything, when they redid them, they just covered everyone's face with a smiley face emoji.
0: I feel like I've seen that. Yeah, it's fucked
1: up. It's almost more terrifying.
0: I feel yeah. Like. Ugh. It just makes you uneasy. Mm-hmm.
1: In a mo letter sent to everyone called Life with Grandpa, David says that Ricky is... In a really super racist way, pretty much. Hey, you're a different race because Carlos is a pawn in God's game that gave birth to the prophet. So like how he words it is like, I know you're brown and I'm white, but like, it's okay. Like, that's how he words it, pretty much. Then David talks about how Carlos was told he's the father in the hotel room by David and that Carlos's child is a prophet. And then he poured some wine and he told everyone they should start sharing again like their bodies. David asked Carlos to have sex with Karen and molest his newborn child at the same time. But Carlos didn't engage in the activity and ended up leaving. Go Carlos. Go Carlos. Poor for you, Glenn
0: (laughs) Carlos. Yeah. Yeah. Glenn Coco. Coco. (laughs) Ricky
1: was often called the Brown Prince. He had two main caretakers, who were two of the top flirty fishers named Sarah Kelly and Angela Smith. They both took advantage of their titles by doing whatever they wanted with Ricky. Including Sarah offered her seven-year-old daughter to David as a sex toy around this time. And Sarah would molest Ricky starting at 17 months old. She's the one that would like give him blowjobs and stuff.
0: To soothe him.
1: And like because it made him happy because he would giggle and stuff. She said mm. at 10 years old, Ricky was put on the sharing schedule. So he was now going to be passed around and have sex with anyone in the cult of any age. That's very at 10 years old. Jonesy. Mm-hmm. Uh, by 12 years old, he was forced to start having sex with Karen, his mother. He was also ordered to have a girlfriend and his girlfriend was significantly older than him. Ricky was also put into teen training where he was forced to have sex with multiple older teenagers and adult females every afternoon. Ricky, as a teenager, was starting to be forced to have sex with a girl named Mary Berg. Mary is Aaron's daughter, which is the same Aaron that killed himself, David's son. So technically, Ricky's supposed to be David's like adopted son in a sense. And Mary is his niece. So like they're like a stretch kind of related. Yeah. yeah. But the reason why is because David said it needed to be kept within the family line so that the prophecy would be fulfilled because like in case something happens to Ricky, he he needed a male prophet of the family line, the lineage pretty much. So he, he was hoping it was incest in a sense. Right. Karen was not a fan of this whole thing and she was afraid that Mary was going to be the other prophet instead of her. So she sent Mary away to a teen training camp where she ended up being abused and raped horrifically. Mary was also a young teen around Ricky's age, and she was
0: forced into that. And where do you find this camp? Like, what are you searching in Google? I feel like
1: it's probably one of the other compounds almost. Probably. Not all the compounds were like this, though. I will say that some of them were not sex driven. Some of them were normal, just everyone being poor, eating garbage can food. And that was the whole point of it. And they learned from the Bible. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But then there were some like this. All right. When Ricky came into the picture, David actually was getting older, so he was slowing down on his personal sex schedule. So around this time, he put out new rules. In 1986, David officially banned the sex between adults and children. Woohoo! Finally a win. About time. In 1987, flirty fishing was officially stopped. Mind you, loving Jesus was not stopped. So you still had to masturbate to Jesus, obviously.
0: Can't that, was, stop that. that was a requirement, right? Uh-huh, yeah. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> In 1989,
1: they decided it was maybe time that minors stop having sex with other minors also. So it still took another three years. Adults can have sex with children, but they still wanted like other children, siblings to have sex. So David Berg had been in hiding since around 1971, 72. Remember, he only communicated via letters, but he ended up actually dying in 1994 in Portugal. He never ended up getting in trouble or was punished for any of his crimes because he died and he was missing otherwise. After his death, his wife, Karen Zerby, who stayed with him this whole time, ended up being the leader of the family At this point, there were 6,000 adults and 3,000 children in 50 different countries. There were investigations of the family for child abuse and prostitution in Argentina, France, Spain, Australia, Venezuela, and Peru. Karen ended up marrying a man named Steve Kelly, who was also called Peter Amsterdam. Because everyone had to give up their names, remember? Mm -hmm. He was an assistant of David's when And before David died, he handpicked he handpicked Peter Amsterdam to be like Zerby's new lover.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And uh, also Peter Amsterdam was a top member of the cult. Remember, which to be a top member, you had to have a high ranking. Remember, which makes me think he was a a top catacomber, which makes me think that he brought a lot of minors into the cult. Mm -hmm. That's the only way that makes sense. Steve ended up instead giving up Peter Amsterdam and took the title of King Peter instead, and he became the face of the Family International for a while and was like a spokesperson for it. In February 1995, the group introduced the Love Charter, which defined the rights and responsibility of charter members and homes. This charter also included the fundamental family rules, which was a summary of rules and guidelines from past Um, the family publications that were still in effect and ones that were dismembered. So they're literally leaving a paper trail. A hundred percent. In 1994 and 1995, in a British court case, it was ruled that the group, including many of its top leaders, had engaged in past sexual abusive practices involving minors, and they had used severe corporal punishment and... All of this was over minors. So if they were in the British area, they would just get booted into jail and shit. Obviously, people didn't stay around there. In 1995 slash 1996, Ricky ended up moving to Budapest. He got out. Um, He was living in Hungary when he met his girlfriend named Alexia Munmel. Karen found out, though, that he had started publicly talking about the cult. So he was coming clean. She forced him to come back to the cult and keep quiet. Don't know how she did it, but she did. I was
0: like, yeah, like uh, maybe like don't listen to your mother. Just just like don't just like don't don't go back.
1: In the 2000s, he finally broke free from the cult and he married Alexia. In 2002, Ricky made a post on a website called Moving On, where he accused David Berg of abuse and sexual abuse and incest and a bunch of stuff. He also talked about the teen training, about his nannies, about how empty he felt, everything. And in 2004, he made another post about how he couldn't move on because, quote, the first 25 years of my life will always haunt me, end quote. Then in the post, he also started asking who have nothing to lose such as myself and asked if anyone else feels that way, if they'll help him plot revenge. So how do you plot revenge when the dude's dead? Against Karen Zerby, he thinks his mom's to blame. So Ricky tried finding some of the members he knew because he was trying to like rescue them and get them out of the cult. But then he took a different turn. In 2004, he moved to San Diego all by himself and started his plan to find Karen and in her life. He thought that if he got rid of her, the organization would come to a halt and just kind of like fall down. He started contacting different cult members that he still knew. To try and lie and tell them that he missed the cult, he needed the comfort of it and he needed to come back and join. But really, he was just trying to get information. On January 7th, 2005, Ricky made a videotape recording in his apartment where he discussed his thoughts of suicide and his desire for revenge. He also described himself as a vigilante. He showed numerous weapons in the video, like a Glock 23 pistol, a K-Bar knife, a drill, a soldering iron, and duct tape, and he said those would all be used for torture of Karen. Ricky said he would keep hunting her in the next life, uh, or if he passes away, someone else needs to pick up the torch. He is adamant. Ricky ended up getting in contact with one of the former caretakers, Angela Smith. If you remember Angela Smith from mm-hmm. one of the two women that took care of him. Mm-hmm. He invited Angela to come over and catch up and have dinner, and instead, when she got there, he stabbed her five times in the arms and slit her throat. He then left her to bleed out. Ricky then drove to Blythe, California, and got there around midnight. He rented a motel room, and he called some family members to let them know there's a dead body at his apartment, and then he drove off to a random parking lot. Ricky called Alexia, and he told her Angela was left bleeding to death, but he... When he left her, she said she didn't understand why Ricky would want to kill her and she didn't understand what she or the cult ever did wrong. Ricky called his murder the hardest thing he ever did in his life, and he said it didn't make him feel any better. Alexia said Ricky pleaded with her to come to where he is and commit suicide with him. She didn't do it, so he said goodbye, hung up the phone, and around 2 a.m., Ricky Rodriguez shot himself in the head with his handgun. After this, Karen used, uh, I'm sorry, that was in 2005. After this, Karen used Ricky's death to make him into a suicide prevention story and said that he was a hero and a martyr for the cult. She, she obviously doesn't call it a cult for the organization. Right. She made a website called RickyRodriguez.com, which is managed by the family and it shows photos and documents about Ricky, but it portrays it like Ricky loved his whole life and. Nothing was as bad as it seems. And he loved being part of the family and that the family was the only thing that took care of him. And it was him leaving the family that made him so sad that he was driven to do this because he just really needed to cleanse himself because he couldn't get back in. Like they make it seem like this sob story. So Children of God claims it's not a cult. It's no longer called Children of God, but there's still over 10,000 members. It's currently called the Family International. It's still ran by Karen Zerby, who is still in hiding and no one knows where she is. How old is she? Old. I don't know. I'm sorry. Survivors blame the philosophy of David Berg, who told members that God was love and love was sex. So sex should never be limited by age or relationships. Most people complain still to this day that they were repeatedly beaten, whipped, and for the smallest of transgressions. They were denied music or television or any culture or even contact with the outside world. So they had no idea how the world worked. And the only thing they knew was how to manipulate the outsiders of the system, like social workers and other people that would come and visit them. And that's how they stayed within the cult. So later, after David was dead, people came out with their stories. And here's some of the pedophilia cases against David. In a child custody case in the UK, Berg's granddaughter, Mary Berg, testified that Berg sexually molested her when she was a young teenager. Another of Berg's granddaughters named Joanne Treadwell Berg spoke on American television about being sexually abused by him. Berg's adopted son, Ricky Rodriguez, wrote articles on the sites in which he described Berg's sexual activity involving different women and children. Davida Kelly. Again, he changed that person's name to Davida to sound like David, mm-hmm. which was the daughter of Rodriguez's nanny, Sarah Kelly. So it was Sarah's daughter accused Berg of molesting her in a June 2005 Rolling Stone article. In the same article, a different woman identified as Armandria alleged that David sexually abused her when she was only 13. And you have to remember, DeVita was the one who was seven years old. Mm-hmm. David's institutionalization of pedophilia and sexual abuse was also described in Not Without My Sister, which is an autobiographical autobiographical re-account of the sexual abuse of three different sisters who eventually escaped the family. The book describes videos being taken of very young children engaging in sexually explicit activities for David's consumption, even as a method for choosing child brides, which he had. And Serena Kelly was one of Berg's child brides, and she was presented by her mother at age three to be a child bride. Jeez. Just a few random things I forgot to add in. So at last minute, I typed them up, but then I didn't know where to put them. So I just put them at the end and I thought I'd tell you. While David was living in Huntington in the 1960s dealing with the hippies, it was a known fact that hippies didn't like the term hippies. They thought it was kind of like taboo. So they actually called themselves freaks. And that's kind of how the term Jesus freak came thrown into the world and how it became popular. It wasn't because of David, but it was because of hippies. Yeah, so. There were also some famous people that were in the cult. We don't know around the years that they were in it and such, but and we don't know what happened to them. They could have been at a place where there wasn't sexual abuse happening. They could have been in a place where there was, but here's some of the people. The Phoenix family. Um, when I say Phoenix family, you have to think of Joaquin Phoenix, the actor. So him and his siblings, Rain Phoenix, Summer Phoenix, River Phoenix, who ended up dying in 1993 due to a drug overdose. And Joaquin Phoenix, he was an actor in Her, Walk the Line, Joker, The Village, and other things. They were all in it. Rose McGowan, she's an actress in Jawbreaker, charmed Dickie Roberts' former child star, The Black Dahlia, and other movies. Also, Jeremy Spencer, who was the guitarist of Fleetwood Mac. I also forgot to add this in, but in a Mo letter from 1980, it was called The Devil Hates Sex, But God Loves It. David openly states that pedophilia is okay because Jesus has no laws with love. And instead of that being weird or like illegal, he's actually just being revolutionary. So all those times... That's not
0: really what the Bible says. (laughs) All those times you
1: said he was being against the law. He's not being against the law. He's being a revolutionary. How do you think laws are made?
0: How, How are you a revolutionary for the Bible when the Bible literally says no to all of those things <laughs> literally everything so i had
1: a lot of sources guys because i wanted yeah. a bunch of different people's opinions i wanted to hear from people that were within the cult people that were outside of it people of different age groups so i had three different books the children of god the inside story by deborah davis aka linda berg so his his daughter deborah she wrote her own book a book called abnormal normal my life and the children of god by mary Mahoney a book called Cult Following, My Escape and Return to the Children of God by Bexie Cameron. I read all the news articles from the Washington Post. There were a few. I watched three different YouTube documentaries that were all free. One was by Fundy Fridays, one was by Encore Plus, and one was the 2020 called To Bring Her Children Home. That one was really sad. Then I watched the saddest of all the things, and it was probably the most informative, it was called Children of God, Lost and Found. It's a video on Amazon Prime. It's 2 dollars Not a feel-good film, but definitely full of info. So, I, I I don't even have emotionally in me to make any more jokes or do anything. Yeah. It was... It's rough. Do you see why I said this one was rough to write? Yeah. It just drains you a little bit to know that this happened to all these people just think
0: of how that people yeah think of how the people feel that actually we're like living in it and we're just like or sitting here reading knew. it for an hour like they were literally living in it
1: like i always think about how the ripple effect goes or like mm-hmm. cults with ripple effects scare me the most because it's not just like what if one of my family members got trapped in this school and I'm the person being like, please leave, please leave. I know something bad's happening, even if they don't end up all like committing suicide or something like Heaven's Gate mm-hmm. or Jonestown and stuff. Um I j- mm, jonestown wasn't technically a suicide all the way. We'll talk about that someday, but <laughs> but you gotta think about like those people that kept telling people to get out and then later they're like, I'm so fucking scarred from this. And you can't be like, ah, I told you so. Or no. Like you can't do that. No. First off, but also
0: you're just so. But, like, How also, I told them. you so.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: It sucks. Puts you in a really stupid position.
1: But then you also have to feel about those people that are so scared to leave the people that are strong enough to leave, but then they can't because they're like, fuck, I signed over all my possessions. Mm-hmm. This man has my children. This man has, you know, my family. What if my family doesn't leave with me? Or what if they do leave? What if they come after us? Like, in Ashen Reiki, they came after people and they killed them. In, um, what is it that the wild west one wild wild out in the wild wild west or whatever it wild wild country sorry he would terrorize them and stuff like that and he would come after them in Jonestown people think everyone just drank a bunch of fucking kool-aid first off if you ever tell me that everyone in Jonestown drank kool-aid I'm just gonna hate you because it wasn't kool-aid but second (laughs) off um it was flavoring um but second off it wasn't that it wasn't just, okay, we drink them and you eat, that's it. Right. People didn't want to drink it. So they were gunned down and murdered like yeah. in broad daylight or even in heaven's gate. People think like, okay, we drank it and everyone drank and they died. No, they did it in rounds, like multiple rounds. People yeah. died during different days and it took a long time. And there were the bags over their head because they weren't dying from it. Like you have to think. And then people stayed and that's watched horrible. This. Like
0: yeah. being in a cult. Oh, as much as I
1: say, I'm gonna be in a cult someday.
0: I, 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 think I could do it, like a fun, but I, like a fun one, like a fun one, like a high school musical cult. <laughs> sure, but like I don't,
1: I don't want to be in like a dying cult where people die. Like,
0: uh, I feel like there has to be some fun cults out there. Yeah, I almost feel like being in a clique like Mean Girls is almost culty. Yeah, because you're like. Mm. worshiping regina i don't know
1: i think the state of texas is kind of a cult <laughs> <laughs> just the whole state the whole state well there's that one tiktok trend where it's like name a cult that isn't a cult but it seems like a cult and people name some things that you don't think about it but it seems like a cult like people that work at like lululemon that seems like a cult
0: i'm not i feel like i mean it's like starbucks is a cult. oh starbucks is a cult. <laughs> I worked at Starbucks. Fucking Chick-fil-A is a cult. Star- Chick-fil-A is a cult. Mm. All religion is. Mm-hmm. Religion's a cult. a cult.
1: Scientology just is. Uh,
0: oh, we won't nope, No, nope, nope, nope. So nope. we So we want to give our
1: thank you notes tonight. <laughs> <laughs> this is where you can do that cut, cut, cut. <laughs> uh, we want to thank Damon Volkovsky for creating our wonderful theme song. By the way, Damon is currently on tour with his band. Have a good time on tour, Damon. Stay safe. Stay. Stay safe. Stay safe. We love you. Come home safe. Also, he's moving. He's very excited. He gets to move. Closer?
0: Ah, uh, He's becoming
1: roommates with Adam. Oh. Isn't that the most thrilling sentence I've ever said on this podcast?
0: Yes. Adam and
1: Damon in a house together. We got to visit. Damon, we're coming to you.
0: We need to have Adam do something for the podcast so we can shout him out because he's an amazing human. We,
1: uh, I would marry him.
0: He's an amazing he's human. He's the
1: Ryan Reynolds of real life. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he's
1: the closest thing I will ever get to meeting Ryan Reynolds because he's pretty and he has a good jawline. He's is pretty. <laughs> uh, our artwork is done by Taylor with lab monkey creative on Instagram. Taylor is a workaholic that always gets the best workout. He is awesome. Speaking of crazy workaholics, we cannot <laughs> forget our editing, our uh, soundscapes, our little, all that kind of stuff. It's done by Corey, Corey with core.media.photography on Instagram. We're finally official. Corey loves us enough that he put us (laughs) in his bio. He says, I do the editing for Cryptic Soup Pod. He loves us finally.
0: He loves us finally. Yeah. I think it's finally just he wants the credit for it. Right? (laughs) (laughs) Just maybe a little bit. So
1: thank you guys for being a huge part of the family. We want to thank you every single week because you guys do so much for us.
0: Don't forget to follow the Instagram at Cryptic Soup Pod slide into those dms our dms are always open for suggestions so slide on in i feel like i didn't even want to like make that joke i I know you were trying to avoid it and then you were like god damn it i gotta do it yeah i just i feel i just feel weird i'm ready to go to bed
1: (laughs) um we would really love it if you guys could give an apple podcast review and rating and a spotify rating we officially have some spotify ratings up we also have some really fun little reviews and ratings on apple Podcasts, and it always helps share the podcast name it puts us on charts for other people to find us and i mean we're kind of in a lot of different countries at this point i think our our second most popular is the uk is it
0: uk or germany i thought it was germany was up there Um,
1: i think it's the uk and then i think it goes uk germany then canada and then it's like switzerland
0: or something yeah It gets really weird the further you dive in our little analytics program. But hi, from really, really, really far away. Also, buy us tickets so that we can come visit you
1: because that would be awesome. We'll come visit you over the pond one day. Yes.
0: We will
1: try our best impression of your accents and then you can try ours. We're going to butcher yours.
0: (laughs) Full (laughs) disclosure, it's not going to sound right.
1: So guys, just remember to subscribe, follow, tune in, keep up with us. We'll see you next Tuesday for the next episode where we're going to talk to you guys about some phobias. Phobias?
0: Stay tuned.
1: In a mo letter sent out to everyone called Life with Grandpa Ricky, what uh, David told Ricky, to, fuck shit. David <laughs> tells how Ricky in a super. Oh my
0: god, you can do this. Fuck. I mean, I'm going to when we go back, when I go back, I'm gonna have to do it again because Corey's never been to Disney ever, and you have what? to. Yeah, I know. He has to experience it once, even though it's going to literally just kill him. Like he's going to be the most annoyed person you've ever seen. He's pretty, pretty annoyed person. At least already. he only
1: has to see half of it because he only has one eye.
0: You did not just say that.
1: <laughs> I thought Corey would get a kick out of it. <laughs> I feel like Corey's either real irritated. That's or he's really lying. not how that works. <laughs> it's fine. At least just pretending it's a completely blind eye.
0: (laughs) Jesus. Guys, go to bed. Unless we're talking about like worshiping like Ryan Reynolds.
1: Okay, first off, that cult I would be okay with. I'm already the secretary (laughs) of that cult. (laughs)
0: The secretary. (laughs)
1: <laughs> well, not, the, not the vp <laughs> well i didn't want to get ahead of myself i feel like maybe blake lively's the vp <laughs> oh yeah
0: probably <laughs> so who's the president himself yeah
1: <laughs> Duh. he doesn't have time for that he went by king david mo moses david father david dad or even grandpa <laughs> it is 9 40 is that man still up he's been watching anime until like 10 or 10 30 every night I think he just puts the TV on a timer, in all honesty, because he'll sound like that
0: asleep. He doesn't do that. Mm. Mm-hmm. Maybe. I was so confused for a second there. Corey, go to bed. It's I 930. You. I love you, but go to bed. It's 940. It's almost 10. Oh, my
1: God. <laughs> 10 minutes.